Cool. Welcome to the Making After School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activities youth are involved with during non-school hours. The Making After School Cool podcast is produced by Case for Kids, a division of Harris County Department of Education, and I'm your host, Mike Wilson. The emergence of after-school programs, also known as extended day programs, have altered the way numerous students spend their out-of-school time. As the OST industry has grown, so has the job opportunities in the field. For example, not only do many after-school programs hire full-time staff, there's also supplementary support staff, which enhances after-school programs service delivery. In many cases, this involves a collaboration between after-school programs and independent service providers. Service providers, also known as vendors, are skilled professionals who instruct students in their specific area of expertise. Many service providers have their own private business locations, yet they're still willing to go to after-school sites to reach more youth and provide them with a skill many students would not have access to. Speak on how Case for Kids is providing opportunities for service providers and community organizations to positively influence the quality of -of out-of-school time services is my guest, Materica Terry Wilson, the Case for Kids Program Coordinator of Resources. Terry Wilson is a native custodian who attended the University of Texas at Austin for a bachelor's degree and earned her Master's of Education in Curriculum and Instruction from Concordia University, Portland. She has over 11 years of experience working with after-school programs, holding such titles as Tutorial Teacher, Enrichment Leader, and Curriculum Specialist. Her work experience ranges from charter schools to school districts and boys and girls clubs in suburban, urban, and rural areas. Her last eight years were spent as an after-school site coordinator before she moved back to Houston to join the Case for Kids family. Terry, thank you so much for being my guest on today's installment of the Making After School Cool podcast. I always enjoy having a colleague as a guest, and uh, I'm really excited to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. But first I would like to start with you sharing with us what created your interest regarding working with kids and organizations that support out-of-school time activities. Um, I would say it started very young. Um, As a kid, I used to always play school with my siblings and my cousins. And so I always knew at some point I wanted to work in education and work with kids. Ideally, the only role at that time I knew was a teacher. Um, but it wasn't until college um, that I got introduced to after-school programming, like as a job. One of my friends told me about his job, which he was a youth worker for, I think it was called the Excel program, it was 21st century, what we know as ACE now. And so I applied to be a youth worker there. And that's kind of where it started. I, I kind of worked my way up from there, did a number of roles. Um, in that in that program and worked my way up to a site coordinator of an after-school program which I did for eight years until I started here with Case. Now you've been in your current role with Case for a short time. Can you tell us how the transition has been going? It's been quite interesting. I came in in the middle of a project of the City Connections grant and I came in during the time where there was a lot of transition. So I definitely, it was the equivalence that I always say is it's kind of, you know, you push someone in the water and tell them to learn how to swim. (laughs) It's kind of how it was, but it was good. I can definitely say I 
having experience in after school, having been a coordinator for so many years, that experience definitely helped me in my position because even though I'm on the other side of it now, I knew what a lot of the grantees were experiencing, especially you know with COVID and trying to get back into the schools. I was also familiar with the new fingerprinting law because I had experienced that as a coordinator. So um, my background definitely helped make the transition smooth and easy, as easy as possible. So it was quite interesting, but I like the challenge and I like to be kept on my toes. So it was definitely fun. I got to know a lot of people really quickly. <laughs> I like that analogy of being pushed into the pool. Uh, mm-hmm. We push we push you into the deep part. So. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm five foot tall, so that was quite interesting. <laughs> Uh, Now, two of the major initiatives you coordinate for CASE is the City Connections Project, which you mentioned earlier, and the Youth Service for After School and Summer Project. Can you give us a brief explanation of both projects, starting with City Connections? Sure. So City Connections is one of the grants that CASE provides to nonprofits within the City of Houston. So we work with City of Houston Council members to secure funding to support those programs. And so City Connections primarily um, provides funding to nonprofits who serve students before school, after school, during the fall and spring school year. So we usually, our project usually starts in October, November, and goes until April or May of the following school year. Now, are there minimum standards that these programs have to have, like be open for a certain number of hours, certain number of days, uh, things like that? Yes, those requirements kind of change each year depending on, you know, what what's going on. The past years with COVID, we were a lot more flexible, but now they just have to either do direct service, which is in person, they can do virtual, or they can do a hybrid, a combination of both. Um, Depending on the amount of funding or type of programming they're doing, the requirements are different, but usually it's serving a minimum of 15 kids. Um, They can be at multiple sites um, within multiple districts or multiple schools. Um, The biggest requirement is that they have to be a nonprofit with the 501c3 for at least a year. And a new requirement is that they now have to be in our case youth services bid as an approved vendor before they can be eligible to apply. Okay. And uh, I know your department just released a request for a proposal for the after school and summer program initiatives. Can you give us a little explanation of uh, how that works? Sure. So the RFP to become an approved vendor kind of serves two different purposes. One, just being approved vendor, that can be nonprofits, that can be for-profits, that just gives you the ability to be on our list. So if one of the after school programs that we have within CASE or one of the organizations that we serve is looking for a vendor to provide a service, let's say they're looking for someone to provide STEM activities at their school or STEM activities within their after school program. If you are an approved vendor on our list, then we can recommend you or give your contact information to that person and they can reach out to that organization to contract them for an hourly rate or you know whatever agreement they decide upon to provide those services. So that gives the organizations access to be within other programs and schools or other organizations. And then it also just kind of helps our organizations have have a directory. So I kind of view it as 
a shopping list almost. If you go in a grocery store and you're like, okay, I need to go to the produce, I need to go, you know, to dairy, I need to go here. That's kind of what our vendor list is. Um, the second part is, which is the newest requirement, is in order to receive any funding. So the city connections, which I talked about, we also have county connections, which is funding from the um, county commissioners and that's for summer programming. In order to be eligible to apply to either of those, you have to be an approved vendor. So in the past, you could just apply, you know, whether you're one of our vendors or not. Now you will only receive an invitation if you are on our approved vendor list. So that's why it's important to um, apply for the bid. It is open three times a year. Um, in the fall and usually in the fall by the time it goes through the approval process you won't be eligible to you know be contracted or apply until the spring and then in the spring it's not until the summer and then the summer it's not until the fall so this one is our last one for this year it's the summer one and uh, all of the grantees or applicants who get approved from that process will be able to start and as early as the fall semester Okay, and now you mentioned uh, the term the bid. Can mm -hmm. you briefly describe the bid? Sure, so bid is just a bidding system. You're putting in an offer to you know become a, a contractor or a vendor with us. We use it interchangeably. It's the same as RFP or bid. It's just the system Ionways is a, a e-bid system, electronic bidding system. So we'll refer to it as the bid or we'll refer to it as RFP. They're both the same okay and so just a quick summary of the process if i'm providing a service or i want to work with kids and i want to teach them a certain thing mm -hmm. um, i have to be a business or a nonprofit, mm -hmm. and then i have to apply to be in the the bid which is usually based on me submission information regarding my services um, <clears throat> based on an rfp process is that correct Yes, so if you just want to be an improved vendor, let's say you, you are a for-profit organization and you're just interested in providing services you know, to other schools, other programs, you're not interested in receiving funding, you can still get in our bid, our RFP process. That is for for-profits and non-profits. Now, if you wanted to receive a grant, either our city connections or our county connections, you do have to be a nonprofit with a 501c3 for at least a year. So you, I mean, we have some that get in and they're like, I don't want to, you know, apply for funding. I just want to be a contractor, you know, go to a school. And that's completely fine. You don't have to be a nonprofit for that. Your opinion, what are tips for writing a successful proposal um, for your department to, to get into the bid and so on? I would definitely say one, just make sure to thoroughly read through the application and, and see what we're asking. Um, it is a, a new process, so it can be a bit confusing, but the best thing is to just really give us a highlight in their program. I always say, if I you know, had no experience with after school programming at all, and I was to pick up your application from reading it, would I get a good overview of what you offer how much you you know it costs to be at your your program the services you provide um so always just kind of think of that you know it's from the inside you know what you offer and so you might not think to write all of that out but from a person who may have never met you never heard of your organization you know if you were to walk up to them your elevator speech as they refer to it just make sure to include all of those elements um the primary key is 
knowing the needs in the community you're going to serve and telling us how you're going to meet those needs. So one is, you know, making sure you've done your background research on whatever schools or, you know, community you're going to be in and then telling us how you how you're going to meet that problem or how, you know, you can serve it. And then also, I would always say sprinkle in a little bit of glitter as I refer to it and you know tell us what makes you stand out we've got a number of stem organizations we've got a number of SEL organizations which is fine you know we've got tons of kids tons of schools but what makes your program stand out what makes your program unique so you know tell us that tell us you know the success stories any promotional materials that you can upload any you know an example of a lesson plan the more information the more insight you can give us the better how do interested service providers access information regarding the latest RFP, the After School and Summer Program? And when do you anticipate the selection of the providers? So we do announce it. If you follow Harris County Department of Education or CASE, our social media pages, we do announce it and post it there. We also have an email blast that we share out, you know, this information. But you can always, you know, go to the site. You can Google HCDE Ion Waves or HCDE Bidding System, and it'll come up the link. And you, it, there's a big old blue button where you click to register for an account. But you can view the current bids we have open without even registering. Now you can't apply to them without an account. But there's a box at the bottom of the screen that says current bids and you can see all of the bids that we have open and, and it's not just for cases for all of HCDE so you always want to make sure you look for the one that says case for kids youth services awesome so uh, before we close do you have any final thoughts or comments you'd like to share Make sure to give us a great overview of your program and what you do. Um, no, we also have a lots of info sessions. Um, we actually have one coming up tomorrow on the 20th, and then we have one on June 2nd at 11 a.m. where we're gonna kind of walk through this process. Um, I would also say allow yourself enough time to complete it. It, it is quite a few packets that you're gonna have to download and complete. And a lot of people think, oh, I can do it the day before or, you know, a couple of days before. And it does take time to gather all of that information and apply. It takes a couple of days just for you to get your account approved as you register. So make sure to allow yourself enough time. We always tell people to submit it a week before the deadline just in case you forget something or you have an error. You can go back and, you know, have time to update it because once the system closes, it closes. So just prepare. Um, always there's a spot where you can ask questions within the system. So if you have questions, you can always post them there or email us and share. You know, it's not even though we say competing for a bid, there's room for everybody at the table. So definitely share it with your other colleagues and organizations who are doing great things because we want to give our kids a variety of opportunities. Awesome. And so if people have questions or want to get in contact with you, can you provide your email address or phone number? Sure. So my email is materica.wilson. So that's L-A-T-E-R-I-K-A dot Wilson, W-I-L-S-O-N at H-C-D-E dash Texas spelled out T-E-X-A-S dot org. Um, my number is 713-696-2132. 
Awesome, and I'll also include that information in the resource portion of the summary of this podcast. So I, I really appreciate you providing that for us. Terry, thank you so much for being my guest on the Making After School Cool podcast. I really appreciate the information and the guidance and then the step-by-step process in which providers or community organizations can work with CASE. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Mike. Making After School Cool. As always, I want to thank our listeners for joining us today, where our topic focused on how case for kids support service providers and community organizations. Please join us for future episodes as we continue to explore issues relevant to the out-of-school time field.